movies and booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl, more for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. You are listening to the Moncrief Show in Newstalk. As I speak right now, a search is being uh, undertaken to search for the teleporting sports reporter who just disappeared <laughs> in, a, in a flash of smoke uh, from the studio. We don't really know what happened. Uh, we have a full studio, uh, uh, by the way, uh, I'm delighted to say for Nuala Jones, Serena Bellissimo and Dean McGuinness joined us today. Good afternoon to you all. Hello. Yeah, and everyone's in the studio and everything, which is great. Very yes. exciting. What beers are we going to be talking about today, Dean? We have got two Swedish beers, um, which uh, remind me of Alicia Vikander, because I was looking on the website today and Alicia Vikander had a comment about Swedish people saying unusual things like, um, look at you sliding in here on a prawn sandwich. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy Swedes. Yes. Yeah. So on the website for these beers, Popples, it had um, serve the cake. Are you standing around here crumbling? And I've been thinking about it all day, but yeah. as nothing whatsoever to do with the beers, I just thought I'd share. Uh, <laughs> we're tasting two beers um, and talking about balance in beers. So we've got a Session IPA, which is 4.2%, and a West Coast IPA at 6.5%. And balance, do you and, mean like alternate between the two of them? Uh, well, no, looking or at the have different... a bag of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> the different things that co- uh, cause balance in beer and what balance is and why it's important to quality and uh, things like that. So it's... Uh, um, like uh, when you talk to brewers, they'll often say, oh, that beer is very well balanced. Uh, it's just understanding what balance means. In right. There. OK, fair enough. And the two movies today, Serena. Two one very... Netflix, one in an actual cinema. Yeah, two very different ones. We've got The Harder They Fall on Netflix. That would be my recommendation. And I never thought I'd say that because it's a Western. Yeah. And it stars Idris Elba and the Queen that is Regina King. And the other one is The Card Counter. This is with Oscar Isaacs, Tiffany um, Haddish and someone called Ty Sheridan that people may not know yet. But two very, very different films. Uh, Oscar Isaacs is in everything at the moment. He, Do I get that impression? Is yeah, he, uh... he is. Have you seen Scenes from a Marriage? Yeah, yeah. That was hard going. It was it? hard going, yeah. Yeah, I got to like three episodes and I, went, I need to take a bit of a break from this. Oh, so you haven't seen the whole thing? No. What, no. what do you think of them? I know we're here to talk movies, but I just need to talk about the start of Scenes from a Marriage when they started off with them it's actually getting bit, to set. It's a bit wanky. I'm sorry. You said it, it yes. Yeah. yeah. And, like the, and just to explain to people, they do this thing where, you know, the, the, the episode actually hasn't started yet. So they follow the actors into the set. I and hate then, that. You know, and it's all a bit meta. and kind of, But it doesn't really add anything to it at all. Well, that's the thing. It makes no sense. I thought, OK, well, maybe we're going to do this with each new scene. So we know that they're like scenes from a marriage. But no, it's just at the start of every episode. And it's yeah. a bit jarring more than anything else. Yeah. But it's based on, on what's his name? On a book. From... No, not a book. Oh. They, the fancy Danish-Swedish director. Oh, yes, on a TV show from then. I don't know. 25 years. I don't know his name, but I remember. You should know. You're a film reviewer. He's a really famous film director. You know, I forget. Someone will text it in. Uh, but maybe it was to make it seem as arty as, as his stuff. Yeah. Anyway. But, yeah. Um, I, but Oscar is phenomenal. It doesn't matter what you put him in. His performances are phenomenal, as he was in The Card Counter. Right. Okay. Fair enough. The, the harder they fall, yeah. I thought there was a remake because the the, the 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 well, there's a film called The Harder They Come, which is a, there's a reggae song called The Harder They Come, The Harder They Fall, sung yeah, yeah, by yeah. Jimmy Cliff, and there's a, a film called The Harder They Come 
which starred Jimmy Cliff that's based in 1970s Jamaica. It's kind of a gangster film. Is that any good? I haven't seen that one either. It's a classic. Okay. Yeah. Need to well, see that one. <laughs> it's a classic for people at that eyes. time, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, which uh, uh, meant like, you know, their critical standards weren't that high, uh, given that most of them are out of their gourd when they watch the actual movie. <laughs> I thought it had something to do with that, but clearly not. No, this is really good. And I love, it opens with, while the events of this story are fictional, these people existed. And I love it. You know, when we see Westerns, we see it told from a white person's perspective. This is told from a completely completely different perspective from um, black people who actually existed at the time. And it's great to see them not being... um, washed away from our screens so I love it and it's, that's not the only reason why I love it it is such a good film yeah there was a we did a thing a while ago there was a fella who was um, he was a US marshal and he was the most successful US marshal in history black guy yes. uh, African American and actually is they reckon uh, the, the inspiration for the Lone Ranger but they couldn't say it was a black guy Bass Reeves yes who that's is the guy in, yeah. who is in this film alright yeah. yeah so yeah there you go alright that's interesting because I think at the time I interviewed the bloke who wrote the book about him, I said, God, this doesn't make a good film. So obviously he's on his yacht in the Caribbean right now. <laughs> uh, right, Gal Gadot is going to be in a Snow White remake. Is she going to be Snow White or, or the Wicked Witch? Uh, she's the Evil Queen. Ah, yeah. right. She okay, that makes sense. very much yeah. not Snow White. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in final negotiations, according to Deadline, which means she she's definitely got it. Um, they already cast Snow White. It's Rachel Zegler. Um, who I think is relatively unknown as of right now. Um, directed by Mark Webb and Mark Plash. Um, and it's going to expand on the original story and music from the original and the guys who did the music for La La Land, The Greatest Showman, Dear Evan Hansen, they're on musical duties here as well. I'm not I'm not really sure about her as the evil queen in terms of casting. I don't know if anyone else has any strong feelings about it. I don't really... I don't know. Well, I couldn't see her as Snow White. I, I, see, I definitely couldn't see her as Snow White, but yeah. I don't know. I just, I think that last Wonder Woman movie okay. turned me off so... Is she, is she that great of an I actor anyway? I hated that last Wonder Woman. I thought it was terrible. Yeah, see, I had to watch it on my iPhone because it would Legally, legally, I had to watch it on my wow, iPhone. Wow, I've got the full cinematic experience there. <laughs> so maybe Which one what... is she? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's why I wasn't as annoyed by the film and I thought it was actually okay. I Oh, my, I just thought it was, like, outrageously, like, like too long. Just um, can't, like, like, that's a complaint about most movies nowadays anyway, but just the convolutions and just... I don't know. I thought it was insane. I like mm. her and Chris Pine together, though. No? I do, yeah, I do. I could believe them, but just yeah. in terms of the actual... Because I, I was reading reviews of it beforehand, and it was like, everyone was like, this is so bad. I was like, can't be that bad. And then I watched it, I was like, oh, no, it, it is. It is that bad. So, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go see this anyway, because I don't... Like, I'm that, done with the live action remix. At the start of all this pandemic stuff, that Imagine song, which apparently was her <sighs> idea, that, that should have been a career ender. It right should there. have. Yeah, it should I have. I cannot forgive... Anyone who gives her a job ever again after that. <laughs> Ingmar Bergman. Oh, there we go, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see now. <laughs> Serena's face lit up uh, uh, with, with recognition there. And straight to her phone to look at her favourite Ingmar Bergman films. Yes, indeed, of course. Now, this is now, if, if you're a documentary maker or a filmmaker or a television, you know, new, uh, and Netflix are so desperate to make uh, um, for, for uh, material that they're going to make a documentary about Janet Jackson's nipple. Um, it's not Netflix, it's the New York Times. Oh, it's is it? the guys who did 
uh, framing Britney Spears. Yeah, it's the same team. Um, it's called Malfunction, the dressing down of Janet Jackson and set premiere later this month in the States. I'm assuming we'll get it around the same time, the usual crack. And it's about the 2004 wardrobe malfunction, as we all know it now, um, that she had during the Super Bowl halftime show when she was performing with Justin Timberlake, which she only apologised for this year I think that's important to. because he was forced to because of Britney Spears thank you Britney sorry why because he, he did it so the whole thing was that okay so she was doing a medley and he came on as a surprise guest and was doing Rock Your Body and then at the end of the song he <laughs> was it a surprise to her <laughs> yeah, I, but this is the thing I do, like I don't think this was planned he went and like tore away a bit of her bodice and like obviously her boob came out covered in opacity whatever but the aftermath of that was she was blacklisted across TV stations across the states. She was blacklisted from the Grammys that year. Um, so this documentary is trying to look at the people who were at the controls on the day, like NFL, MTV executives. They're reconstructing the incident that shook the country and explain how it shaped culture in the decades to follow. Um, supposedly Did it? Includes, I mean, I, it invented the term wardrobe malfunction and it's like, it's a conversation that we have every time the Super Bowl comes around. Um, it's followed her in her career. She's kind of come out and said... She hasn't had much like, of a career since. Then, because, but I think this is why. This actually, I think we can call it a trivial moment or whatever, but it actually really wasn't in the context of things, especially if you compare her career and its potential trajectory to his. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that, again, he's kind of never really acknowledged it strongly up until this year. Um, Despite that, I kind of feel a bit icky about the documentary nonetheless. Now, is she she interviewed in it and is he interviewed in it? um, I don't think she's interviewed in it, but they say like members of the Jackson family, but I don't think she's directly involved in this. I don't know if he's involved. She's got her own documentary coming out in January. So I'd say... Or she interviews the actual nipple. (laughs) But but do you know what? I'm with Fanul. I I actually want to say this. I think we need to have this conversation because when it happened, look, I think... They knew it was going to happen. She, it wasn't. It wasn't just even a little pa- pa- plaster. It's like a whole nipple tassel, right? So they knew what they were doing, allegedly, just in case. Um, <laughs> but I, it's very unlikely it wasn't rehearsed. This yeah, entire thing. But yeah. the, the whole problem was the fact that Janet went down for this, and it was Justin. Yeah, who did it? Yeah, and I think I'm glad this conversation. This conversation needs to be out there, and we need to investigate mm. why. But if it had been rehearsed beforehand, then they both were a party to this. The people who were directing the thing were a party yeah. to this. Everybody was. Now, fair enough. She she was the one that went down for it. Um, yeah, uh, and you but, can't predict the yeah. reaction to it, and I don't yeah. think they ever could. But I don't know. I'd be more interested in her documentary um, than this, if I'm being totally honest, just because... I think it depends on how it's told. Yeah. Like, if yeah. they're looking at the issues, because there's massive issues that we need to look at and conversations that we need to have when it comes in, it comes to this story that, you know, is it 50, was it 2004? 2004, yeah. Yeah, like, all these years later, we're still talking about it. Mm. And we're still confused by it. So I think we need to, if they take it that way, I think this could be really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is there anywhere in Ireland where you can get Guinness Antwerpen? Aidan wants to know. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, I have. It is brewed in Belgium by Timmermans Brewery. Um, it's officially not for export, but they're looking at possibly an amount of it coming over at some point in time um, with the Guinness Open Gate Brewery. But uh, I think that there have been bottles on display 
in uh, the is it the Sky Bar at the top of um, the Hop Guinness Store? Brewery? Yeah, yes, Guinness that's Brewery. an obvious place to get it. Well, well, yeah. uh, the reason why I, I think that there is is because a few years ago I was in there and I asked, "Could I taste that?" And they said, "No, you can only have a pint of Guinness." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, thing. So I don't know whether they're just for display or not. Um, it's a, a kind of a Belgian stout. It's uh, that's where the Antwerpen is coming from, and it's uh, slightly stronger. Um, Right, so. okay. Uh, can you ask Serena if she has seen Chestnut Man on Netflix? No. No. What is that? <laughs> I don't think Sorry, no. But I, uh... Serena's too busy watching Ingmar Bergman. All the time, <laughs> I am. Yeah. I'm getting uh, cultured. Peter in Cork says, I don't know what uh, um, Dune movie um, Esther was watching, but it was fantastic and completely original. Will go down for years and probably one of the best movies for years. Not even a sci-fi fan, says Peter. really enjoyed I it. I need to defend Esther. I mean, Esther's book. I, yeah. I thought Dune wasn't, it was great. It was a great cinematic experience, but that needed to be a TV series. Like you're, you've got me there for two and a bit hours and then you just end it. It's just like, sorry, I know you're doing this for a sequel, but movies need to have a start and an end, not just a let's continue to be yeah. continued. Well, there's going to be like, another one. I think yeah, that's the whole point. There yeah. is, but like, that's what we call a TV series. We yeah. don't necessarily call that a Indeed, movie. and that's what The Chestnut Man is. It's a TV series. There we go. Somebody just texted into uh, let me, A figurine made of chestnuts is found at the scene of a grisly murder. Uh, from this creepy clue, two detectives hunt for a killer. A bag of chestnuts? That doesn't sound that creepy, really. Uh, have you seen Dune? No. no. I don't think it's my thing, I'm going to be honest. Anyway. I, everyone I speak to is like, it looks class. I didn't really know what was going on. I'm like, you're not selling it to me, to be honest. So Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Isn't really a phrase for the yeah, poster. Yeah, they're like, is oh it, yeah, it looks it looks great, but I just couldn't really follow it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> Jeannie Mac, then just drop a tab of acid and yeah. save yourself the money. Yeah. You know, <laughs> see things that look great. Right, let's move on to our first beer of the day, uh, Dean. Okay, so this is the session IPA. It's four point two percent. I wonder if you can pass that one around. Yes. Um, so four point two percent IPA. Now with IPAs, you've got uh, the kind of classic IPA, which is usually five point five to seven point five percent. A double IPA. Or Imperial IPA, which is about 7.5% up to 10%, sometimes higher than that. Session IPA is usually around 35 to 5.5% ABV. So it's lower in uh, ABV, mm. um, but yeah, really nice uh, fruit flavour. Uh, there's some kind of gooseberry, um, uh, citrus flavour coming through, some lime coming through. Uh, there's a, a vanilla background. Uh, the malt character is, is quite soft. It's kind of a bread crust malt character. And then a little bit of black pepper and uh, a subtle bitterness. Now, there's um, a few weeks ago, I was tasting this at home, and there's a, a picture on the, the bottle of a hop leaf suspended on a chain on the end of a crane. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a total nerd. And I looked at it and went, oh, that's really cool, you know. And I gave it to my wife, who was also a beer smelly. And I said, look at that, isn't that really cool? And she kind of looked at it. And I said, well, no, it's, it's what it says. And she's there like, what, cranes are used to make things high. Hops make you high? No. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so. Irish Times crossword there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. So the idea is that the hops are at the centre of the beer, um, but the beer needs to be balanced. So on a crane, you've got the jib, which is the long ah, bit, and right. it's kind of carrying the hop. Oh, that's a bit. I know, yeah. yeah. I, I think Very it's more, interpretive. It, yeah. it's more a reflection on how much an, a nerd I am than yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people understand it. And, then on the and other so thing, do you like feel like an idiot if you don't understand the label? When you're drinking I, this I beer. don't know. I think I feel more kind of uh, uh, ostracized or something because I do understand the label. I think that makes me stand out rather than other people feel un- unusual. Um, but yeah, no. So this idea 
of balance, uh, one of the ways that I describe it is that if uh, if you think of a human being balancing, uh, you never think of a human being balancing on two feet. You know, they're standing on mm. one foot. So you've got all of the weight acting through one point and then you've got everything else kind of positioned so that it doesn't fall over. It's the same with a, a beer. You've got kind of most or all of the style centred around one thing. In the case of IPAs, it's around hop flavour. In the case of a stout, it would be around dark malt flavour. In the case of a lambic, it would be around sourness. And then you've got everything else kind of balancing around that. So with this, what you've got, 4.2% ABV, you've got a bit less malt barley in there, um, which gives uh, sweetness and alcohol to the beer. So they have to dial back a bit on the hops. So the bitterness is about 30, 35. Actually, it's 30 IBUs. I was doing it by a thing, and I'm just after noticing that it's on the on the label. Uh, so I'm very glad that I got it right. <laughs> so so um, it's uh, a, a kind of a restrained bitterness. It's not one that comes through very strongly. Mm. Um, if you hold the beer at the back of your tongue, it kind of develops a little bit, but it's not very assertive. Um, but uh, really, really good hop character to it. And it's got kind of all the fruit flavours, stone fruit, grapefruit, um, gooseberry, lime, um, and uh, then some other flavours then to balance things out. So there's enough sweetness from the malt um, and enough bitterness to balance that out. And then a little bit of vanilla, which comes through as kind of marshmallow, which gives it an interesting thing. And then it's, some spice yeah, to balance it's as lovely. Well. And the bottles are kind of cute as well. They are cute, yeah. yeah they're the kind of classic stubby bottles uh, that sometimes you associate with Belgium. Um, but yes, yeah, Sweden is, is making a very good name for itself in terms of craft beers. There's some interesting craft beers coming out of Sweden and Popples has, has made a very good name for itself in terms uh, of the beers it's brewing. Lots of people are still texting about Chestnut Man. It is a TV <laughs> series, uh, but it's very Scandi-Noir, apparently. Uh, it's uh, uh, lots of uh, universal praise for it. Derek Ngoa says the Janet Jackson Super Bowl incident led to the creation of YouTube. I think that's right, yeah, because really? I was thinking, was it Google Images? But that was JLo in the dress at the Grammys, yeah. the virus print, and I knew it was something else. That makes sense. I'm I wouldn't sure say, like, right. you know, we have Janet Jackson's boob. Let's set up uh, some sort of. Yeah, no, but I think the, I think people go the demand to look it up yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what uh, Mick says, uh, this may be viewed as politically incorrect opinion, but uh, the Id- Id- Idris Elba Western movie is just bad. I can only watch 20 minutes of it. Truly awful on the eyes. Would you like to talk about the uh, Western movie after the break? Uh, yeah. Okay. I need a moment to recover from that too. Okay, Serena will be refuting your allegations, make uh, after this break. Proof is a buck. Man, old devil. This is going to be Buck's last day amongst the living. What exactly he do to you? Call it a professional rivalry. I know who you are. That love outlaw hunts down those who trespass against him with no mercy where is he where is who the boss my boss clearly you don't know me there you go that's uh, uh, the harder they fall there uh, somebody else has texted in to say that it was a load of rubbish uh, uh, really? so yeah do you know the, the one good thing I will say is that I'm glad people are talking about it because I felt like this movie has gone under the radar and a lot of people aren't talking about it so I'm glad people saw it on Netflix and are giving it a go basically this is a western and um, Idris Elba stars as Rufus Buck he is someone who has just been let out of jail and he's met on the train by um, treacherous Judy, uh, Trudy Smith who is played fabulously 
by Regina King. I do not think that that woman can put one foot wrong. Um, and basically, he's on the train. Some of his money has been stolen. He's trying to get it back. But in the meantime, on the other side, there's another outlaw. So they are all outlaws. Okay. Nate Love, who's played by Jonathan Majors, he discovers that Rufus is out and he is out to seek revenge on Rufus. I'm not going to tell you too much more than that, but it's basically a gang of two outlaws who are fighting against each other. And there's so many different stories going on, but it's not tiresome. You know how sometimes there's all these stories going on and you're just going, I can't catch, uh, keep up. Who do you belong to? What's going on here? What's yeah. going on there? No. They, okay, in fairness to some of the people who are saying they don't like it, it is a little bit drawn out. And I feel like this is what's happening with a lot of movies these days. I think there's a real lack of great editors in Hollywood. We need, if anyone's thinking of um, becoming an editor, put yourself forward for Hollywood because people just don't know how to get a movie under two hours anymore. This oh, I'm m- sure they do, but it's just They just a don't lot want of, to. Yeah. There's and a lot of Mickey swinging going on there. There yeah. really yeah. is. And like this came in at two hours and 17 minutes. And I must admit, I, I may have paused it a couple of times and, you know, taken a bit of a break and stuff, but that's because it's two hours and 17 minutes. That said, I think this could be the film that brings back Westerns because Western genre isn't as big as it probably should be. I'm not a fan of Western. Maybe this is why I like this because I'm not a fan of Westerns and I really enjoyed mm. what I was seeing. I loved how it looked. I loved the performances were outstanding. I keep going back to Idris Elba and um, Regina King. They were standout, but there was the supporting cast as well, Zazie Beats and Jonathan Majors. They were phenomenal too. Um, one of the Wayan brothers is in this, and I can't remember his name. Uh, Damon Wayans is in this as well. Um, it looks spectacular. The soundtrack. I love that in this film they think of everything. It's not just the story you're seeing, the music that goes with it. If you love shootouts. What kind of music? A, just the soundtrack. The yeah. soundtrack that's in it is just fabulous. Could you tell us something about the soundtrack? Oh, I can't. Okay, it's just <laughs> Yeah. Well, would it be contemporary well, cowboy music uh, it, it that would have been played at the time? Yeah. Or are we talking like it's, no, it's no, like no. R and B hip hop? I'm, I'm finding stuff. a bit, yeah, a bit of everything's going in. Like yeah. just, yeah, I'm not, yeah. Anyway, yeah. but do you know the um the, what, 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 where, what were we saying? You were saying everything was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do. Is this though? I mean, in, right? Let me put it yeah. like in, in terms of it being a western. Is it a gritty western? It is. Uh, where, uh, you know, a kind of late Clint Eastwood gritty western, or is it kind of more kind of a, a, a glittery adventure movie that happens to be set in the old west? No, I feel like it is that old style. Clint Eastwood type Western. Um, it really could be the revival we need to see. I'm a bit disappointed actually that Netflix, because Netflix at the moment is doing a lot of, um, you know, they release a film and you have to see it in the cinemas. Well, you don't have to, you can wait two weeks, but they're releasing it two weeks early, putting it on at the cinema and then putting it up on the streaming platform. I wish they did that with this because I think this needs to be seen on the big screen. It also needs to be seen in IMAX. Mm. You need to hear but all of that. But they didn't means they don't think you can win any Oscars. Actually, you're right because that's why they do put it on yeah. at the cinema a couple of weeks. And there's a lot at the it's moment. A bit that's... of a kick in the balls for the people who made this film. It, mm. it probably yeah. is. You're right. You're right. It's but hard. look, I do, I do think that this is worth the watch. Is two hours and seventeen minutes a little bit too long? Yeah. So maybe you know, watch it like a bit of a limited series. You know, watch it in a couple of goes, <laughs> and, and you can do it from the comfort of your own couch. So yeah. it's definitely worth the watch. Uh, the. Uh... Yeah, a few texts telling you how wrong you are. Uh, the <laughs> harder they come is trying too hard to be a Tarantino Western, but couldn't afford Halle Berry and a set from Mel Brooks. Uh, the best thing was the music. 
uh, and the uh, another or Tim wants to know has Serena seen Venom 2 mm-hmm. if so how did it hold up to the first no I'm, I didn't go anywhere near it I just I'm tired I'm tired of those films okay yeah so yeah you haven't seen it no sure. I haven't seen, seen it you, you, no you, no okay I didn't think the first one was so bad actually this. I haven't even seen the first one yeah well, I thought I had from what I've heard the reviews for the second one seem to be better because I remember yeah. the first one being absolutely, not absolutely panned, but like... It got a bit not, of a kicking though. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a kicking. But I think they, again, they're like praising Tom Hardy that he's incredible as Venom and then everything else is like, eh, like, mm. sorry. I think there's more of a storyline in this second one. Like I've, I've heard about the fact that there could be a romance happening in this. No spoiler there, but you know, there's there's more of a storyline. Uh, Paul says Hostiles with Kristen Bale is one of the best Westerns ever and it's only five years old. Okay. Missed that one. Yeah. I just remember them talking about how like Cowboys and Aliens was going to revive the, the Western genre. And <laughs> that was terrible. Look how that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it was a bit of crack though. Really yeah. Mm-hmm. Even even the title. I, I give them points for the title. <laughs> just because you wouldn't get that. Right. Okay. We were talking about uh, witches already. Ariana Grande uh, is, uh, among others, going to be a witch. Yes. She's going to be Glinda in the big screen adaptation of uh, Wicked. Um, very exciting. And then we have Cynthia Erivo. She's going to be Elphaba respectively um, and then we have uh, John M. Chu is on director duty so he's the guy that did In the Heights um, this has been kind of in the works for a while and if you're a fan of Ariana Grande you know she's obsessed with Wicked and she tweeted even kind of back before she was big or whatever that she'd just gone to see it and she was dying to be a part of the cast one day um, and they both shared very sweet Instagram posts announcing the news today um, I we talked a bit before about people leaving uh, films though in terms of the team and production and stuff and how that maybe might not bold well for the finished result um, Stephen uh, Stephen Daldry had been on to direct but he left last October to due to scheduling conflicts um, we have Stephen Schwartz is he's doing the music and lyrics from the Broadway show adapting the screenplay with Winnie Halsman um, and then we have Mark Platt who we mentioned before he's producing so I don't I like the two of them together I'm not very precious about Wicked like I'm not I'm the wrong musical person to ask I would yeah, imagine yeah. but I, I, from what I've seen online mostly positive um, Ariane obviously got her start in Broadway like I think she's well able for this and she can sing the songs and then like Cynthia uh, Revo like she could be going for an EGOT with this I think because she has her Tony she has her Grammy she has her daytime Emmy she just needs the Oscar and she could get it with this like right uh, pardon my ignorance. What's an EGOT? So it's when you win all of the big. Oh, I see. If That's you're an EGOT, oh, you've an Emmy, right. Grammy, Oscar, Tony. So okay, she just needs an Oscar. Right. So then you're a goat. Yeah. Okay. You're, yeah. You're, 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 Pretty much. Yeah, you're synonym. Well, G O T E. If you had really poor spelling, you're a goat. Yeah. <laughs> Not the greatest of all time. <laughs> Uh, could only watch 20 minutes of The Harder They Fall the dialogue was really laboured much too modern couldn't understand what they were saying most of the time music was abysmal one word brutal so okay. uh, oh it wasn't for you let's just say some mixed opinions yeah uh, and that's on okay that yeah that's okay and so what's happening now I mean this isn't because of Squid Game but there's a kind of a bit of a row between Netflix and South Korean internet providers it kind of is because of Squid yeah. Game like a little bit so obviously Squid Game was hugely hugely successful there were data leaks recently that seemed to suggest that Netflix had gotten like 900 million dollars like benefit in terms of people signing up and the money they got and apparently reportedly have to say um, it only cost them like less than 22 million to actually get the series um, but to explain it very very simply because my brain can't even fully understand this basically the demand was so high to watch it in uh, Korea that it, like the internet with like the demand was huge on the internet providers so they're basically looking for financial compensations because of the huge volume of traffic 
the the streamer had been generating. So you'd guys coming over uh, from Netflix to try and appease the press and appease them and say that look like they're still looking to spend loads of money there and but kind of being vague as to whether they're actually going to financially compensate these companies um, Netflix had spent $700 million on Korean content between 2015 and 2020 and they said uh, they're going to spend a further $500 million by the end of 2021 so no end in sight for the Korean dramas I would imagine so, yeah, which no. is good no one's inside for the cash. Yeah, Which, uh, Netflix that's the thing. As well. That's the thing. Like Netflix is uh, Korea is like the, like the leader in the video streaming market now. Um, I think they had like a five point five point one four million subscriptions uh, compared to three point one six million uh, last year. So a big jump, like. That's extraordinary, yeah. really, if you think about it. Yeah. It's like monopoly money, isn't it, when they're talking about it like that? Like yeah. 900 million, 700 million. It's just yeah. madness. It's that, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just see if any of it is the rest of it is yeah. any good and if it reaches the heights of Squid Game to be honest. It is. And the thing is like you go on Netflix most of it is garbage anyway. You know, <laughs> and you're going why am I paying for this? Uh, the uh, hashtag by the way I forgot to mention that is swinging 60s movies based on a piece we did I think uh, I think it was only yesterday that the uh, 60s oftentimes wasn't so swinging. Uh, Sisterhood of the Travelling Hot Pants being one example <laughs> of that. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We've more movies more beer to talk about after this. Let's uh, move on to our uh, second beer of the day, Dean. Okay, so we're on to Popple's West Coast IPA. Um, So what we've got, uh, the first beer is a Session IPA, 4.2% ABV. This one is a classic uh, IPA. It's a West Coast IPA, so that's an indication of the type of hops that are being used in it. Uh, ABV 6.5%, so an increase of about 50% on the ABV. Mm. And again, just in terms of balance, which is the, the kind of theme that we're talking about, what you've got with this, with a higher ABV, you've got more opportunity for some more flavour into it. That's actually the Session IPA that oh, you're sorry. drinking, just in case you're I thought I'd switch them around. Oh, maybe you did, yeah. I don't know. Oh, no, I think I did, yeah, I think I did. I think I did. Yeah. Uh, my apologies. Um, so, yeah, so you've got uh, 50%. Those two beers taste exactly the same thing. I don't know what you're talking about. No, this is the... <laughs> so, uh, 6.5%. So, more opportunity for flavour in the beer. Mm. Uh, there's more malt used in it. Um, the, uh, slightly darker colours. They're using uh, darker malts in it. And the way that they um, make malts darker is that they toast them slightly. And when that happens, you get a, a reaction called a Maillard reaction, which develops um, different types of flavours. It can be toasty flavours, caramel, mm. uh, burnt sugar type flavours in it. Uh, you've got the classic West Coast IPA flavours, so it's kind of citrusy, uh, an element of pine, some uh, tropical fruit flavours in it. Um, the bitterness in this, in terms of balance, on the first one it was 30 IBUs. This one's 50 IBUs, so it's like 66% yeah. more bitterness, but yeah. you don't notice no, it. No, you wouldn't. And the reason for that is that you've got more malt flavour, which balances out the bitterness, so it reduces the level of, of perceived bitterness, even though yeah. the, the actual bitterness is higher. Other things then that can influence the balance were taste in IPA glasses which are shaped with a kind of a, a ridged base that's quite thin and then it comes out quite bulbous um, and uh, those glasses are designed to capture the hop aroma so as, as you're tasting it uh, there's one person I know that for more intense IPAs he refuses to use an IPA glass because he finds that the, fl- the flavour is so intense in terms of the aroma that it right. intensifies it too much mm. um, but that's one of the things that can uh, change the balance in the beer second thing is the temperature um, that if you warm up the beer the balance of flavour changes um, so so uh, you get certain flavours dying off as the temperature um, is reduced and other flavours being more pronounced. 
And then the third thing in terms of balance uh, that can influence it is how you pour the beer um, because the hop flavours tend to concentrate in the head. So if you're tasting the head of the beer, you'll get more bitterness. If you're tasting the liquid part of the beer, you'll get more sweetness. And depending on how you pour it, um, you get a slight separation of the of mm. the flavours. So they're just different things that, aside from like the, the key thing that influences the balance in beer is the, the ingredients that the brewer uses and the expertise of the brewer, but other things that we do as well change uh, the, the The temperature thing, then, should you not really be serving it straight out of the fridge? On this one, they're recommending about 8 degrees uh, Celsius is, is what you're looking at. So mm. a typical fridge in Ireland would be about 4 degrees. Um, so uh, that would be quite cold for this. Mm. Now, my argument is always that people should drink beer whatever way they like to drink the beer. Um, I know that when I speak to Belgian people, they pull their hair out at the fact that a lot of Belgian beers are chilled <laughs> down to 4 degrees and they feel that they should be served at about 8 degrees. Um, what, 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 uh, what's a fun thing to do at home yourselves um, if you're a total nerd like me is line up different beers at different temperatures and taste them and you can see what, what flavours you get uh, yeah, by the time you got to the end you won't care <laughs> <laughs> so you do notice that, that the flavours change quite differently over it so. uh, uh, Fanula you took a sip of that one and then you looked mournfully at the empty glass on the other side of you I, that was, Dean I preferred the yeah, okay, so I, was, I, I, I think I guessed correctly then <laughs> Uh, John says the great Western movie at the moment is Old Henry. Uh, the Mrs. Hates Cowboy movies, but she loved it. Good twist as well, uh, says John. Not familiar with that one either, but getting a few. Uh, good I've, t- yeah, I've heard of it and I've heard, I've heard good reports, but I haven't seen it. Is it on a streaming service? Uh, I don't know. John didn't give me any more information than that. I could just make something up. Go on. Uh, um, yeah, it's all <laughs> over the place. Uh, um, there's going to be an Avatar TV show. Yeah, so this is kind of, we all know how that live action movie of this went. Not well, um, but they're having another stab of it. Um, this is Netflix and it's another live action of the Avatar The Last Airbender series. And Daniel right. Day Kim has just joined the cast. So mm. people might know him from the Hawaii Five-O reboot. He's been in a couple of other things. I'm obsessed with him. Um, he's on board. He's going to play Fire Lord Ozai. This is only going to make sense if you're into the Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, and uh, he joins the previously announced cast and includes Gordon Co- uh, Cormier as Ang, the lead character, Ian Ousley as Soka and Dallas Liu as Zuko. So I think that's coming maybe sometime next year. Never, I don't know. I've, I've just, never heard of any of those people. So, it's it's um, a, an anime based on an anime and they did like a live action. I cannot remember the guy that's the lead in it. I can't remember his name. He was in the Twilight movies. It's the only reason why I know him. There was um, a movie, The Last Airbender. Yeah. I and it, no, that. and it was like critically panned and I think oh. fans hated it. And I think they've just kind of been desperate for an actual good live action of this. But again, I'm just like, do we need to keep trying Blocking like it's a dead horse. like yeah. it's uh, what's Einstein say doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result like yeah insanity. apparently Einstein didn't say that but it's one of those oh. you know people quoted well, so much he probably you know whoever they believe it, it now they were anyway uh, as you if, you if you were with us uh, about half an hour ago uh, you may recall that Serena loved the harder they fall everybody else hated it uh, let's see does everybody love this one and uh, let's, here's the card counter here's the clip what happened you get bored played some slots you should read some books. I'm gonna buy you one. I've read books. What is it with her? Name one. One what? Book. Called Poker for Dummies. I believe you may have read it. <laughs> I like him. Wow, you made it to the second dinner break. I must have fired two dozen tournaments before I lasted that long. Simon, you're left. Four tables, so should be done tomorrow. How much cards do you play? 40 hands an hour, 8 to 12 hours a day, 6 to 7 days a week, 
Do you do anything else? Like what? Like anything. Go to a park, a concert, a museum. A museum? Yeah, I'll buy you a book on it. It's called Museums for Dummies. But I don't Right, okay, that's uh, the card count. And these are about people who just play poker all the time. You'd think, because yeah. the title. We'll get to the title in a sec. Okay. Right? So, Oscar Isaac, he's William Tell. He's the, the card counter. He's the guy who... His name's is, actually William Tell. Yep, William yeah. Tell is okay. his name. He's um, just gotten out of prison. He's a former serviceman. And while he was in prison, he taught himself how to read cards. He goes out, basically his life is just going from one casino to another. While he's at one casino, he comes across um, Lalinda, who's played fabulously by Tiffany Haddish, and she says, you know, you're you're playing for small amounts, and that's how he doesn't get count, uh, caught. So if you're a card counter, no one really cares if you're just taking them for a little bit of money. So that's what he, he just goes under the radar, and she's like, I can back you. No, I don't mind it. But then he has this chance meeting with a guy called Kirk, who's played by Ty Sheridan, and He's Ty Sheridan puts this proposal to him of, you know, there's this mutual person. I don't want to give too much away, but I'll just say there's this mutual person who they could possibly seek revenge on. And he wants to reform Ty Sheridan's character. So he decides to, you know, is he going to hook up with Lalinda or what? Anyway, that's the, the gist of the story. My problem is the title of the film, The Card Counter. You check out the trailers. You see all the clips doing the rounds. It looks like it's a film about someone who has a gambling problem. It's not. I'm not quite sure. Now, yes, a, a lot of people are going to disagree with me. I went straight to Rotten Tomatoes to see how many people disagreed with me. And the critics are giving this 86%. So I think we have to review this in two different ways. Oh, no, everybody disagreed with you. That, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, the critics are giving it 86%. The audience are giving it 42%. And I, I'd have to say I'm with the audience. As a critic, I think this is amazing. It's... You know, looking at a part of the human psyche that we don't necessarily look at all the time. Um, Oscar, there, there is no doubting the performances. Oscar Isaac one day will have an Oscar. He is, oh, yeah, he'll have an Oscar. Sorry, that yeah. just clicked. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> hey. Boom. Um, yeah. That's manifesting right there. Anyway, um, he will, uh, he was phenomenal. And I love seeing Tiffany Haddish not just doing comedy. She can do yeah. great drama. She's a fantastic actress. And then there's Ty Sheridan as well. Okay, so I've told you the performance is fantastic. It can be a bit slow. I don't know if the payoff is worth the investment. Um, it is under two hours, so I will give it that much. Like, okay. at least the running time isn't too long. It's a great piece of art, a great piece of cinema, but watching it as an audience, like a cinema goer, I was watching it going, mm, I'm not actually quite sure what I'm watching here. Is it something to do with gambling? Is it something to do with revenge? Is it a love story? What What is going on? And I just mm. felt like there was just, it was being far too smart. And so... By the end of the film, did you know what was going on? Yeah, but I was a bit annoyed by the end of the film. At the end of the film, I went, I don't want to give it away, but I was a bit... Look, a lot of people are saying that it was not the critics. The critics are absolutely loving this, but the audience are just going, I don't feel like my investment was worth the payoff. So, okay. But yeah. look, if you want to see masterclass in acting and some great cinema and some great art on your screen, this is what to watch. But if you want to go and escape or just just go and watch a film and not have to overthink it and trying to figure out what you're actually watching, don't see the card counter. Or do you know what? Just change the title of the film. Don't call it the card counter. What would you have called it? A man who wants revenge. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. or just revenge. <laughs> like call it something else. I think when you're calling it the card counter, you're just in your head. You're ex- it's like Baz Luhrmann when he called Australia, Australia. He should never have called it Australia because we were expecting this great epic. It was a, a, a great film that got lost because of the, because of its name. Okay. All right. Maybe they should have just called it Australia then. Um, uh, <laughs> that made the difference. Uh, right. And uh, uh, I'm kind of glad to hear this about Killing Eve. There is going to be another series, but it's going to be the last one. It's the last one. Uh, and Jodie Comer is very happy about that. She says she wants it to end on a good note after the next series rather than continuing until it is kicked out the door. So I don't know if anyone's... Thinking about re- making a remake or doing something oh, for another no, series. No, 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 no. Do not listen yeah. to this. Yeah, she basically just said, that, uh, but she's she's also said she's trying not to think about the show's conclusion because obviously she's been with this character for so long. And I mean, when you think of the impact that it had, obviously because we're kind of a few years without a series, aren't we? But like the impact that this had, the first season set a record for the BBC iPlayer, like 10.8 million requests in seven days. Normal people beat it. Um, and Laura Neal is the head writer for this final series. Um, um, who people will know from she worked on Sex Education on Netflix, so that bodes well for this final series. So yeah, yeah. Uh, any and so when might it arrive? I don't think we have a date yet, as far as yeah. I'm aware. I'm open to correction on that, but yeah, nothing concrete. I would yeah. imagine next year. I would assume. I doubt yeah. we're going to see it before the end of this year. Yeah, I have a feeling that people might die. Yeah. In a... <laughs> uh, thank you all very much, uh, Dean, Serena, and Fanula. Uh, that's our lot uh, for today. Our- Movies and Booze on Moncrief Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range Lidl, more for you Enjoy alcohol sensibly Visit drinkaware.ie